Welcome to Geeks and Jocks Podcast. Welcome back to Geeks and Jocks. This is Ryan Sullivan. Recording December 15th, the early hours of December 15th, 2020. So another 16 days until the end of the year. Delving deeper into December. (laughs) Uh... So, with this podcast, before I get into it, uh, it's on anchor.fm. Click on the links. If you are looking at it outside of anchor.fm, it's also on uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, and Breaker. So, definitely some stuff to talk about. Talk about a uh, PC game turning 30. Uh, like just literally just the day prior uh, talk favorite Christmas movies maybe some holiday specials talk about Warner Brothers a little bit more and the usual NFL stuff and maybe talk a tiny bit of the NBA especially with that James Harden stuff there's probably some big animosity happening down in uh, Houston whatever the case um, I'm going to start off with with the movies, because Warner Brothers, uh, not too long ago, they announced that for 2021, that they were going to have their movies release in theaters, and on that same day, go to HBO Max. And and I get it. I, I kind of get it, because we're still in the midst of a pandemic here in the States, and the unfortunate side is, I mean, not everyone can go to a movie theater. They just can't. And there were there was some backlash, and I get it because the movie theater experience you you can't get in your own home. I mean, sure you could replicate it if you have all this money for like a big stereo system and a big widescreen TV, but com- compared to the original experience, there's nothing like going to the movie theater. Yeah, that. <sighs> hard to imagine you know people ditching movie theaters completely it's it's there's people just gotta have patience i mean it movie theaters will come back i don't think they're gonna dry up completely but you know unfortunately living in new york can't can't go to a movie can't and it's a shame that we have cold winters because i you know i have a drive-in you know about six, seven miles, you know, away from, from home. And the last time I've been there was uh, 2016, like uh, July 4th weekend. Hard to imagine, a little over four and a half years later. But Warner Brothers movies, this was like, I found this on Collider.com, and so the list is going to be, I looked at it, and most of them, I could see a case of either doing really well or underperforming on on something like HBO Max. Now, I'm not sure what their plan is. I would assume charging 20 bucks, similar to what uh, Universal did uh, back around late March, early April, back when the pandemic began. So I'm going to begin with uh, The Little Things, and it's a Denzel Washington movie. 
I mean, there's some there's there was definitely some big names in it, but altogether, I mean, I would think you know you attach a name like Denzel in it. I mean, sure, I mean it could be could do decent. I mean, I think if it were to be in, I think if you had like the full theatrical experience here in the states, I would think it would do modestly well. That's at least my take on it. Uh, next one, Judas and the Black Messiah. Some it's like a '60s political film with like the Black Panther organization. This forget what the deal is, but this is something I could see maybe doing decent on um, HBO Max. As far as uh, a theatrical release, if I'm being honest, political movies don't do well. What I mean is, like most of the time, I was trying to think there was the that that bombshell movie, which which was about the Fox News anchors going after the the CEO or something. I forget, and that I don't think that movie did really well in theaters. I just think people people just aren't interested. I don't think, and why have that for your entertainment? I mean, some people do enjoy it. I understand, but I think for most people, it's just. Ugh. So I'm pretty close to finding what it is. Um, Fred Hampton, the Black Panther uh, party leader. So yeah. And what was the going back to the little things for a second? Um, Denzel Washington. This is from Collider. Denzel Washington plays a deputy sheriff who's sent to Los Angeles on an evidence gathering assignment, only to become embroiled in the search for a serial killer who is terrorizing the city. Man, this guy's. Quite a share of uh, of cop films. Try to think of the last thing he. Which is, oh well, uh, Tom and Jerry. This is something I'd be curious about because the last time they did a theatrical movie was back in 1992, and I believe I talked about I, t- I talked about Tom and Jerry a tiny bit, and it's a live action. Uh, animation comedy I, I I could see it doing okay on HBO Max I could see people getting into it because I mean Tom and Jerry there's there's a timeless appeal to it I don't see it I'm not a fan of Tom and Jerry I'm more of a Looney Tune guy but I, I could see it doing I could see it doing well on HBO Max theatrically I'm not sure because when the Tom and Jerry movie came out in 92 that was a massive that was like a massive bomb for Turner it really was. I mean, I mean, potentially I could see it work in theaters, but that depends on where the where it goes and the direction it it goes into. Uh, Many Saints of Newark. So this is interesting, and I could see this being something that that would do extremely well on uh, HBO Max, primarily because one of its writers is David Chase. Uh, David Chase in the late 90s he created uh, The Sopranos so this is kind of a prequel to The Sopranos uh, that Collider was talking about on here and features younger versions of characters from that film one of the actors is Michael Gandolfini son of the late James Gandolfini probably probably playing a younger version of Tony Soprano and it's I could the reason why I think it could do well on HBO Max 
is because I mean, think about it. There was a time where you associated HBO with some pretty big shows. You know, whether it was you know Oz, uh, Sex in the City, uh, The Wire, The Sopranos, Curb Your Enthusiasm. There was I'm not saying that the modern stuff today is crap, but it like it changed the way I think that we viewed television as a whole, and that you saw these serious uh, these serious programs and lighthearted stuff that. You know, they were getting away with certain things like a lot of cursing and nudity and violence. And just the that raw nature of it is what made it, you know, big hits at points and some quality here and there. Um, no, I think this would do... I think this would do really well on HBO Max. Uh, theatrically, I'm not too sure on that, but it, it I, could, I could see it working. Um, what was the next one that I thought was like the more important um, Godzilla vs. Kong so I think this is one of those movies that benefits from being in theaters I think it just it, it's more of a popcorn experience in my opinion and that's not to say everything at Godzilla is a joke but I just think it, it I can't see many people going to to HBO Max to watch it. I mean, I think some will, but altogether, this it feels like it will. I, f- I don't want to see something like this underperform, but I feel like this will. Especially, I think with its budget being like a hundred sixty million, I believe. I might be wrong on that, but it's very high. It's a, it's at least over a hundred fifty million dollars. That's for sure. And I mean, some of those effects. I mean, they better have been damn good. They better have. So what's the next one? Uh, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. I mean, certainly, uh, The Conjuring. I mean, I think it's it's more horror for people. I mean, that's kind of what Warner Brothers has had for the last uh, seven years or so. You know, with The Conjuring and all the other spinoffs and sequels. And, I mean, New Line Cinema back in the 80s, they had all those uh, Freddy Krueger movies, Nightmare on Elm Street and all that. So, uh, obviously, there's some there's some stuff to be said. Um, I think this would do well. Yeah, I mean, in a, th- in a theoretical sense, I think it would do well in the theater. And uh, on HBO Max, I, I would think it would do well. I think it would do really well. People want their horror fix. So, next one. Space Jam, A New Legacy. This is going to come off controversial, but I think Space Jam is a bad film. I think people are clouded in nostalgia and rose-tinted glasses. I don't think it's I don't think it's that horrible of a movie, but altogether it's very forgettable. Like, a lot of your stuff comes, I think, in the second half of it, and the first half that, you know, has its moments, but and not even Danny DeVito can save it, or Bill Murray, for that matter. Some funny moments from both those actors and their characters, but otherwise, forgettable Looney Tunes experience, and really the slapstick not being all that great. <laughs> a few things are funny, but this movie, and... 
this this new legacy film, I don't think this will do well. I think it's gonna underperform. I mean I mean sure there's Looney Tunes, but is that enough? Or is LeBron James enough? And he actually revealed this the plot in the movie not too long ago uh, about having you know, it's like involving him and his son. I think it's gonna be an actor that plays his son, uh, forcing him to do stuff like him and it's it seems like a cliche in a movie, if I'm being honest. And the son goes to you know, gets caught up with like the Looney Tunes and so does James and there's and it seems like the type of film where it's like, okay, the father learns what his son has been doing and other stuff. Okay, and he understands, okay, I don't I understand where he's coming from and you know what? Let him do his own thing. Uh, I don't think this is a lot of it's going to be on whether those 90s kids are going to be interested in the film as well as the new generation of kids. And I think the window of opportunity was lost, I'd say, 15, 20 years ago to make to make a, a new Space Jam. Especially with Looney Tunes. I don't know how big Looney Tunes is now these days. Probably, probably not that huge. I mean, there's been attempts over... Last decade, I mean, there was Looney Tunes showing that was I thought that was really good, and um, like one or two other things. There hasn't been a new video game in a long time. I'm sure there's still some merchandise in like clothing and maybe some toys, but I don't know. I don't think this will do well. I think it will underperform very, very badly unless critics change their minds on on whether this movie will be good or not because the first one was panned pretty badly. So, I think regardless of this next movie, regardless of reception, uh, The Suicide Squad, this will definitely drive people to it, both in theaters and HBO Max. I I think a lot of it will be the fans getting into it. That's at least my take on it. Reception be damned. So, this one is interesting in itself, uh, Dune. It's based on a book. There was a movie adaptation that came out back in uh, 1984. And I did talk about it last week. Like, there was the movie in 84. There was the Sega games that came out uh, 10 years later after the movie came out. I don't know if it'll do well altogether. I, that's the one thing where I'm thinking, will people remember this? And if so, would there even be enough to make it a hit? And it's a movie that has over $150 million in its budget. That one, I, I'm i just a little, a little sketchy on. That's what I think. I think even if it were to have done well in, in, in a critical reception, whenever it does come out in 2021, I'm not sure if it would even be a hit. It's like that uh, that Blade Runner movie that um, that I think Warner Brothers did like three years ago. A lot of people loved it, and, but not many people saw it. Who knows? This one's a question mark. The next one that I'm going to talk about, and that's King Richard. And this is a tennis movie. Now, for the most part, sports movies tend to do moderately well. You don't get many huge hits, and for 
something like tennis, I'm not sure if this will be something that would do well theatrically and on HBO Max. But there was a documentary recently on uh, regarding the story. Uh, it's involving Richard Williams and the obvious names should come to mind, Serena and Venus Williams. I think there was a documentary, like I said, that came out, I think like last year, two years ago, I forget, about the the, the sisters, you know, growing up and playing tennis. I mean, I mean, they've they've risen all the way to the top, especially Serena. I would think it would do okay. I think it would do okay in theaters, and I think it would do. I would think it would do moderately well on something like HBO Max. I think if it were, I think if it were done by say Disney, although, although you get probably get a butchered story if it were, if it were on a Disney film, if it was a Disney film, uh, probably, probably get a lot of promotion and all that, probably would get a lot of hits, I'm just guessing, but I could see that doing okay, uh, Matrix 4 definitely will do well regardless, uh, even if it's, even if it doesn't get many people in the theater, this will definitely be one of HBO, I feel like this would be a killer app for anyone that is thinking, okay, what is there for HBO Max? It's a little pricey, but what am I getting? Ooh, the Matrix. Ooh, the new one came out. I'm gonna, I'll buy it. I could see that happening. I feel like this would be a true killer app for anything that's uh, brand new, especially when you get Keanu Reeves back to do it. Um, the last one out of the bunch that Mortal Kombat. Now, Mortal Kombat has seen its popularity rise a bit over the last 10 years, especially with their last few games that they've made. This, I think, would do okay. I, uh, That's something I would actually be... I'd be curious to see the numbers for this, for this uh, film at some point, because it, cause Mortal Kombat... The reception has been good lately. It's just a matter... In, in video game movies as well, with the exception, I think, of Rampage. I think I think critics like the new Tomb Raider, although I don't think that did well. People love the new Sonic the Hedgehog. I mean, there's, I mean, there's a fair share of movies based on games that are coming out over the next couple of years. I think there's a new Mario movie that's going to come out, I think, in two years. And all that... But I could see it doing. I could see it doing decently. I re, I, th- I think Mortal Kombat will do decently. Now, with it going to HBO Max, I'm not sure. Uh, that's something. I, like I said, I keep I'll keep my eye on. Some of these other films that Collider mentioned, I don't. I can't comment. There's Cry Macho, which is a Clint Eastwood movie. I am not sure on where this goes because. Uh, last year, I thought Richard Jewell would do well, but that one was a massive flop in theaters. I, I, that's something I, I I would think it would I think it would do okay considering it's Clint Eastwood, but you never know. Um, Malignant, or I think that's the name of the film. 
it's from the guy that did the Conjuring movie, so probably be a horror film. I would think it would do decent, but who knows? Uh, Those who wish me dead. It's like it's an Angelina Jolie movie. It's about a like a teenage murder witness who's being hunted by assassins and is protected by a survival expert. I I don't know. I I would think it would do a Okay, maybe a little underperformance. Uh, In the Heights, which is, uh, I, I guess it's a Broadway play. Now it's getting a movie. Broadway stuff. I mean, that's I mean that's hit hit or miss. It, depending on the angle it goes, it there's there's a series of movies. I forget what it's, I forget what they're called, but it's something. It just gives me that vibe. It's like one of those like dancing type films. I forget what it's called. Like, what was it called? I think it was. I forget what. It... Oh, I forget. Damn it. And Reminiscence, which is a sci-fi film. I mean, sci-fi is a gamble. That's that's all I'm gonna say on that. Um. Uh, yeah, I I think most of this stuff would do well on HBO Max, and it's just for 2021. I would think by the time the vaccine would come in, I think I just read that the Pfizer vaccine has been delivered to all to all the states now. So that's that's a sign of good news. That's some, that's like really good news, especially if with all the states getting it now. So let's see what so let's see what happens. Maybe in like, maybe in a few months, maybe things will ease into where we're back to a level that was maybe not as great bef- when COVID first started. But hey, let's see what happens. Um, so yeah, moving on. Talk about Christmas movies. Some of my favorites. Uh, so these are probably going to be cliched as hell, so you know, probably a lot of the popular names you'll probably, probably hear and, you know, or maybe some stuff that, you know, maybe I'll talk some of the non-favorites or something. I'll talk a couple specials as well, so I'll start off with with two. It It's something I've wavered wildly on over over the last probably the last seven, eight years or so, but, you know, I, it's tough to pick between A Christmas Story and uh, Home Alone as my favorite Christmas film ever. A lot, a lot I think, with Christmas Story is just the, the old nature of it, the 1940s, and just the, the way the comedy is. I mean, the kid, you know, kid in his fantasies of getting the gift he wants and the various troubles that he sees, whether it's stuff that he gets involved with or his friends, you know, dealing with the bully, his parents' issues, especially with the dad with the furnace, and all. Tons of funny moments throughout the movie, even dealing with those piece-of-crap elves and the Santa. Uh, Just the nature of it. I think that's one of the things that my late grandfather, because he was born in the 40s, and he was one of those guys that, you know, he, he grew up in that era, Granted, like I said, being born and grow, growing up in the 40s, but 
I'm sure some of those stuff was... He could relate to a Christmas story. That's at least how I look at it. But yeah, really, really funny movie. I mean, what else can be said? Maybe a little overrated, but still a great movie. Now, Home Alone. I, I, I like John Hughes. I'm, he's, he's my favorite writer of all time, and some of his holiday movies he's done really well. Like he did really well with them, and yeah, I mean, it's just a slapstick nature of the la- later part of the film with the traps the characters and just the just that Christmas spirit at points especially when um, Kevin McAllister you know finally makes amends and you know friends befriends the uh, the neighbor who he thought was a uh, thought thought was a killer and just John Williams' score altogether I mean just a fantastic movie. Um, the second movie, pretty good movie, not as good as the original, but still uh, the thing is, it, I I thought I thought Home Alone 2 was, was funnier. I think it was, I felt more set up with, with more humorous moments, jokes and multiple other things. Maybe a little too long and maybe a little overboard with some of the traps, but still, and just as a warning do not watch Home Alone 2 on Freeform. They cut out the stapler trap, the brick trap, and the tool the tool chest trap. The tool the tool chest one's one of the funniest traps in the series, I think, just because of how stupid the wet bandits are. I should say sticky bandits in that movie. But there's another Hughes movie that I'll bring up a, a tiny bit because this one I think has gotten better as as time has gone on, and that's National Lampoon's uh, Christmas Vacation. I think it's just the way that the vacation films are built, all these wacky uh, situations that occur for uh, Clark Griswold. But this is where it's like, they build it up, the cues build it up in like a big way to where it's like, too much hype for like the holiday season and making sure everything goes perfectly with the having the the parents the and then later on cousin Eddie who definitely has some great time screen time and some lots of funny moments with him Uh, just the situations including you know the tree getting the lights up just the Christmas Eve altogether and just just the ridiculous nature of all the bad luck things and how could things get any worse just some really funny really really funny and you know you know forgetting you know realizing what the true meaning of Christmas is you know around the holiday season it's not just you know the gifts the trees and all that it's just you know being around the people the people and just you know, doing whatever you can f- for the holidays. It's not going to be perfect, but what isn't? Uh, I'm trying to think of some other stuff. So I'll I'll go on about the Grinch actually. So the Grinch special from the from the '60s, really good. That's like that's one of the few. That's like one of the specials I do like. And I say this is someone that doesn't really go out of my w- to watch. Christmas specials, like the half hour, especially with all the modern stuff that has occurred, <laughs> that has occurred lately, so, 
yeah, uh, Grinch special, uh, it, it gets its point across very quickly. Then you have the live-action movie starring uh, Jim Carrey as the title character. And that that that's interesting to me because it it the problem with this is that it's a Dr. Seuss book and the books are short maybe it does go a little it goes a little dark at points and it it tries to create like an like a backstory an origin story a little bit about the Grinch I think they did okay with it there I mean but there's tons of funny moments throughout it and just a lot of there's a lot of people that don't like it I've a lot the, the people I've known they've enjoyed it I mean there's some good stuff there now if you want a bad Dr. Seuss live action adaptation the cat in the hat my god that's horrible and the and the effects are dreadfully bad and I believe the makeup for uh, the Grinch actually got nominated for an Academy Award now, the 2018 animated one with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch as as the Grinch, I thought it was good. Like it, it was just there was just something clean about it. Like it was like it was just such an innocent movie and more lighthearted. And there was and people recognized the Grinch. But he just didn't want to be involved with you know the holidays and all that. And you know, I mean, with all with all three of those Grinch adaptations, um, you know, there, I mean, like a lot of these movies, there's you know the you know the meaning of Christmas and all that. And you know, it's it's more than just gifts. That's what it comes down to. It's you know just the the heart of Christmas and all that. But yeah, I, I liked all three. There's some good stuff. I'm trying to think of some other stuff that <sighs> I knew a guy in college that was into uh, Fred Claus, starring Vince Vaughn. Can't really think of anyone else that that was really into that. I know a lot of people are into Elf, and this is this is my pick for something that I think is it's a good movie. I think it's it's overblown now in terms of trying to be like the hippest hippest movie to watch during the holidays. And it's and here's the thing, it's good. There you got plenty of moments with Will Ferrell doing all this stuff because he's so used to being in the North Pole and all this other stuff. He he can't adjust to normal life. And there's times where he does do human stuff, but it just, it, the, the North Pole just clouds his judgment, and, you know, whether it's scenes where it's, like, exploring New York City for the first time, uh, mistaking, uh, Peter Dinklage for a, uh, for an elf, and some of the scenes, you know, with, like, Santa, and fixing the end, fixing the sled, and all that, I mean, some fun stuff, I, I think it, I think it gets over, I think it's really overrated, doesn't mean I hate the movie, and I mean there's a good score as well. I just think it just like 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 trying to like it's like there's elf cards and there's elf cookies. It just and then there's people that are like that with like Christmas Story, but 
they don't go that ridiculous for Christmas Story. And actually, they uh, kind of, I think they're kind of doing it with Christmas Vacation a little bit as well, with trying to get stuff, you know, sell stuff that has, like, the the name to it and all that. All three of them, really, too. Um, but yeah, I think it's good, but man, it's overrated to hell. Um, Bad Santa. This is this I think is a really really funny movie. I mean Billy Bob Thornton and uh, Tony Cox robbing stores during Christmas time, a bumbling drunk and and his elf, and having to deal with uh, with bartender, uh, the guy in charge in the mall. This was actually I think like one of the last movies that uh, John Ritter did, and that's a pretty funny one just tons of you know f- funny moments especially whenever Billy Bob Thornton's character gets drunk you got the boxing scene where he teaches the the kid that gets bullied a lot you got plenty of moments really really funny um, this one I think is it's over the top and I think it's in that territory of it's so bad it's good and that's Jingle All the Way with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't. It's not a. It's not a horrible movie, but it's far from being a, a great movie. But it's. It's funny throughout. The workaholic dad who's looking for the new toy, and this, to me, is the type of movie that pokes fun at the holiday season. And I think this is a movie people can relate to, because with how ridiculous ridiculous Christmas shopping is and people wanting the new toys. This is basically what the movie is. I mean, it's trying to get the, the hottest new toy, Turbo Man, and it. I think at that time, the biggest stuff was like Power Rangers. And there's almost like a... There's almost like a Power Ranger type of film here. And, uh, and maybe some anime... I mean, maybe they're like... I don't know... It it feels like a combo of like anime and Power Rangers, like p- making fun of that, making fun of the whole scene at the time. But yeah, it, it's more of a relatable movie. But you have stuff like uh, the Santa fights, the the fights with customers, and getting laughed at for not getting the toy, for not having the toy, and just the the fight with uh, Sinbad at the end. Very ridiculous, and it's over. Very, very over the top. Plenty of funny moments, but not the greatest quality. <laughs> trying to think of some other um, the Santa Claus movies with Tim Allen. At least the first two. But if you're looking for the best one, the first one, obviously the first one's the best. Just the way it's written, and just the various scenes of trying to not thinking he's Santa and having to deal with all these kids and just the the nature of looking more like Santa as the year goes on the cops arresting him that's something you can't get away with now these days and although it's a little more kid friendlier uh, the second one I didn't think was that bad I thought it was good now the third one, yeah, I would say not, not, not the best way to end a trilogy. 
not the best not the best way to end a trilogy. I'm trying to think of other other films that nothing nothing that comes to mind, but as far as specials go, I mean, like I said, I don't watch many specials, especially of any of that modern stuff that that's been put out for the last ten to fifteen years, especially of all that DreamWorks crap. I mean, like I said, I like the Grinch. There, I mean, there's definitely some shows that I don't really, I can't remember the names of the shows, but I mean, there there are some good Christmas stuff. It's just a matter of just trying to remember them now. Actually, speaking of uh, speaking of like uh, Santa Claus and all that, one of the other big uh, Tim Allen things is uh, Buzz Lightyear. I guess there was an announcement made for uh, for a Lightyear movie that's supposed to come out in a couple years, like an origin story. That actually has me a little curious. I love the Toy Story movies, and they did do a Buzz Lightyear cartoon way back in 2000, and that was uh, Patrick Warburton doing the voice of Buzz at that at that time. I, I'm not sure if he would have wanted to do something like that again, but he did a really... I thought he did a good Buzz Lightyear. I mean, he's, I mean, he's done much more as a voice actor outside of um, the notable live-action stuff of being uh, putty on Seinfeld. There were some... There were some other... There was, like a, there was, like, a lot of announcements made for, like, for Disney, at least. There was, a, like, a number of, like, Star Wars projects that... TV shows that were being made, a uh, bunch of Marvel stuff too. I think they're trying to plan out their Marvel cinematic crap, and just I think one of the things I read was like Deadpool making an appearance in the cinematic universe, Ryan Reynolds' version of it. And actually, there were some there was some Disney stuff. One of his movies, I think. This was this was back when Fox, I think, was trying to get it out. Was uh, Free Guy? It was basically like a, a ridiculous um, uh, video game parody. So, and really, I mean, not much else really for movies. I think it's just the Warner Brothers stuff definitely interests me, and definitely if there's some specials that you can recommend, that actually, you know what? I'll take it back a little bit. I, I did like the Frosty the Snowman special. Sure, I like that one. I like a couple of the Frosty stuff. I was never into the uh, those stop motion type. That stuff just doesn't really interest me. So, but yeah, I think... I'm trying to think of uh, other stuff. Just for, for uh, Nothing else. So... Moving on, let's get into let's get into the sports. Now, there's definitely it's mainly going to be NFL because obviously with all the with all the sports going on and with all the games going on and some big wins for the Baltimore Ravens. Let's get that out of the way first. Huge wins, especially with the leg of uh, Justin Tucker just now uh, with with his big Monday night win against the Cleveland Browns in a big shootout 47 to 42 
lot of rushing touchdowns. Lamar Jackson had two. I think Gus Edwards had two. Uh, there was another guy that had one. Uh, big play for uh, Jackson. He was out for a while, actually. I'm not sure if he had like COVID symptoms or if he had an issue with a part of his body or something, but for him to come out on fourth down as a two-minute warning at the end of the game and throw a 44-yarder to Marquise Brown, I mean, that that says something. The season's on the line, and you're going to want your best man on it. And this was after uh, Trace McSorley got injured and Robert Griffin was not playing. But this is a different type of Cleveland team, by the way, for this for this game. And Cleveland, Cleveland was in it all the way. Just the leg of Justin Tucker. And the week prior, the Tuesday game, they beat the Dallas Cowboys pretty badly. And the, I mean, this they their season's still hanging in the balance, still hanging. They just need some situations to occur where they can stay in. They can stay in and maybe eliminate Miami potentially. So I think right now Cleveland still still holds on to a uh, a, a wild card seed. It just got tougher now with having their fourth loss of the season. If they were to have won, they would have been one game behind Pittsburgh. So, right now in the north, Cleveland's still second place in their in the north. Pittsburgh being first, Baltimore being third. Uh, this this is going to this is going to be interesting to see come the next few weeks unless there's like a big collapse. Cleveland should be in the playoffs. They should. And Baltimore, I mean, they really just need, like, Miami to lose a couple more games. And I think Baltimore would have to win at least two more games. So, the Thursday night game, like, I'm surprised by by that game. Uh, I was expecting probably a tighter game, but it was, like, I think it was 24-3 to L.A. Rams over the New England Patriots. What a shocker that was. I thought the Pats would have had a chance, especially when they beat up on the L.A. Chargers the week prior, uh, the Sunday prior. Uh, well, I think it was like 45 to nothing. You have, I mean, Granted, the Chargers are not as good compared to the Rams, but you would think there would be some of a, something of a fighting chance. And the, the Pats go 6-7 and seven now for the year now. And there will definitely be a lot of question marks heading into the offseason. They still have a chance to make the playoffs, but the chances are extremely slim. I mean, they need they need Miami to lose. They need they need Baltimore to lose. The Colts. This is actually I think the Colts have their have nine wins as well with Cleveland. Now that I think about it, but the Pats are not in a good situation. They can't run the ball. Cam Newton hasn't done shit in the last couple weeks or so. Jared Stidham, is he even going to be an option for next year? I think at some point they're going to have to draft a quarterback, or unless Bill Belichick has a plan in mind to get someone that for cheap, 
I mean, there's not there's a lot of the, the time is slipping for for the Pats. That being said, I don't think Belichick's going to be gone yet. I think he still gets. A, I think he still coaches for a couple more years. But it's just not a good situation. Uh, the Rams keep their division lead. They, I mean, I'm I'm surprised they've they've done really well. And that Acres rookie, I mean, he's he's made his way into the top five uh, rushing performances by a rookie. The biggest was uh, Jerome Bettis with like over 200 yards back in uh, 1993. Todd Gurley had a couple. No, he had like one game against Green Bay in 2015, and two in 83 was uh, Eric Dickerson, the great Eric Dickerson. Trying to think of some of the other big playoff. Yeah, Pittsburgh losing to Buffalo. That makes a big impact on the East because it's it can be the division winner be, or Miami is the division winner. Ten wins for uh, ten wins for Buffalo. That's that's something to be proud of. They haven't won the division in 25 years, and that was the last time they actually hosted a playoff game, 1995. And that was the last time they won in the playoffs. So there's a lot of uh, hope to be seen for for the Bills. Three out of the last four years, they've made it to the postseason. Says a lot. So a whole lot, and their defense playing on a high level. Josh Allen not having as big an issue compared to uh, compared to last year. It's just a matter of just getting that run game to work. I mean, it's Devin Singletary and uh, Zach Moss are good running backs. It's just can they get it? Can they piece it together in time for the playoffs? A lot of question marks now on whether. The Steelers can even run the ball. Is Roethlisberger having big issues now? Is it? Is he just not throwing it as well? Especially considering he threw for less than 200 yards and two picks. Threw for two scores, though, but still, not a good situation. Here's a shocker. New Orleans Saints losing to Philadelphia 24-21. to I think Jalen Hurts had a huge game altogether. I want to see his rushing. I think he ran for... Yeah, 106. And they actually ran the ball with Miles Sanders. When was when was the last time they utilized him that well? But this definitely changes how Philadelphia looks. I don't think they'll be a playoff team, but it's something that's going to cause issues during the offseason. And I think it will come into question, is Carson Wentz done in Philadelphia? Is he? And obviously, a big setback, although Taysom Hill had a good game altogether. And just and Kamara being the only decent rusher for, uh, for the Saints, 50 yards and a score. Uh, I would think New Orleans would rebound, but I mean, they're still going to be a playoff team, no doubt. Uh, Washington takes first place in the East with their win against San Francisco. A lot of issues for San Francisco. Just the the year just keeps getting worse and worse. Just too many issues altogether, and just piecing together at the same time. 
Actually, ooh, Dwayne Haskins actually played a little bit. That ought to be interesting, who gets the nod to be the starter. Man, I don't remember Ron Rivera ever having this big of an issue <laughs> when he was in Carolina the last couple of years. And they did this without Antonio Gibson, so that, that says a lot about the running back stepping up. Let's see, the next game. Here's a win. The L.A. Chargers actually win a game against the Atlanta Falcons. Tight game. Just too many mistakes by Matt Ryan. And Austin Eckler getting back into form. 79 uh, yards rushing and actually catching catching nine passes for 67. He's back. He's back, but too little too late. 4-9 team. I mean... You you have to wonder if Anthony Lynn is safe in uh, L.A. And you wonder what is if there's going to be some issues in the offseason with uh, players in Atlanta. Packers 10-3 with their win against Detroit. Aaron Rodgers having a big game again. Three scores, three passing scores. Aaron Jones... No score, but hey, getting uh, close to 70 yards. Tell you what, this should be all pro, uh, Devontae Adams. He has like 1,100 yards rushing, uh, receiving, and like he has like 14 scores, I think. And really, they haven't had a guy like that since, I would say, Sterling Sharp. Like a guy that's consistently getting you like 10-plus touchdowns a year. And it's unfortunate for a guy like uh, Sharp that his final year, he catches 18 touchdowns from Brett Favre. But it, a tight game, and you wonder if if this is the year they get the monkey off their back again, even though Rodgers has won a Super Bowl. It just can he improve his legacy? Now here's a big whipping. Seattle Seahawks 40-3 to beat up, beat up on the New York Jets. Now, I'm not sure if this will get Russell Wilson back into the MVP talk, but four scores and uh, 200 yards passing. One pick, though. Run game finding its stride again. Chris Carson having a, having a good game. Carl, Carlos Hyde actually had a good game as well. No touchdown, but you get that run game working again, and you know what? This team is a force to be reckoned with offensively. So... Jets 0-13. This ought, I should, like, end of the year or, like, end of the season, look up the stats between the Jets. If they were to lose their next their the next three games of the year, compare them, compare their stats to, like, the 8 Detroit Lions and the uh, 2017 Cleveland Browns and see who was, the, who was the worst team in football over these last uh, 12 years. I think that would be a lot of fun. A lot of fun to decipher. And Geno Smith actually got some time to play. Big whipping. So here's an interesting one. Uh, Colts Raiders. 44-27 Indy wins. Uh, Raiders fired Paul Gunther, their defensive coordinator. And it could be just another... This could be where the Raiders could have a winning record but not make the postseason. That's just... How dangerous the division is, the, the 
the conferences. And the Colts, I mean, Rivers had a, had a big game. The Taylor guy, two scores, 150 yards. So he's he's put up a good performance. Uh, T.Y. Hilton getting into form right now. Raiders, I mean, not having Josh Jacobs to the high level doesn't help. Two interceptions by Derek Carr. Not a not a good situation now for the Raiders. I mean, what do you expect when Cleveland actually is doing well and Baltimore gets their big win? <coughs> so, Cowboys win a game actually, winning thirty to seven against Cincinnati. I think a lot of that had to do with uh, how good the defense was late in that game. There was like a fumble touchdown, I believe. And actually, that was one of the scores for the Washington game against uh, San Francisco. But uh, back to uh, Dallas and Cincinnati. Uh, yeah, I think they had like a fumble, fumbling issues. Just the run game still not being good. And A.J. Green finding the uh, end zone, their only score of the game. I mean, Andy Dalton's a good player. It's just a matter of the competition. Because right now, they can't run the ball. Ezekiel Elliott, this has got to be like... So far in his five years in the league, this has got to be one of his most disappointing seasons. I mean, that that really does say something. Uh, Arizona beats on New York Giants. They get back in the form a little bit. Still a tight spot in the uh, NFC as far as getting that last seed in the playoffs. Really tight. You know, you get Kyler Murray to work really well. Maybe this will, maybe this will be a wake up call for New York and just. I mean, they still have the capabilities to be a good team. It's just prepare for uh, the Cleveland game, and I believe I believe they're the last team that has to face the uh, in, the last team in the NFC East to face uh, Baltimore. <clears throat> or I think. I think the last team to face Baltimore as far as the East division goes. So, yeah, maybe they'll learn a thing or two. I don't know. Uh, Chicago-Houston. This was a surprise. Chicago, in a blowout, went 36-7. So they snap a, uh, I think it was like a six-game losing streak. Sean Watson didn't have a good game. The run game wasn't all that good. Just a lot of disappointment for Houston, and I'm sure there will be a lot of disappointment for uh, Chicago, considering how well uh, Mitch Trubisky was, and David Montgomery having a having a good game as well. The highlight being a 30, not 30, 80 yard touchdown run. Unbelievable. They underutilize him. I mean, he didn't have a. I've said it a couple of times, I think, this year. He didn't have a good... He didn't have a great rookie year, but he was okay. Just feed him the ball. That's what... I miss where you can give a running back 20 carries and he would ha- go off on a good day. That's what... T- t- you know, I'm sure... I'll be, I'll be getting to Tennessee, but that's something that I'll be talking about as far as... As far as football goes. Like, they need to start giving Montgomery the ball a little more. Chicago's might have a chance to make the playoffs, but that is extremely slim. Same thing with Minnesota, which will which I'll get into in probably a couple minutes. 
Uh, Denver actually winning against Carolina. Definitely a bit of disappointment for uh, Carolina. Just not a healthy group altogether, and I mean, it's not like some of these games they're bowing down and and giving up. I mean, I mean they try, they try, but some of these teams just get you know, they they have their best times against Carolina. Drew Locke actually had a really good game and basically throwing it to to the tight ends and. Uh, KJ Hamler, uh, what was it? Tim Patrick, I think his name is. Crazy. Uh, I would say, see what happens next year. I mean, especially when McCaffrey gets back to being healthy. And maybe these teams will have training camp come next summer. Kansas City survives against uh, Miami. Actually, uh, let's see. Yeah, the Miami State tried to stage a comeback and just came down pretty quickly. Just give them credit for at least sticking, sticking, st- st- sticking by and being close. Uh, to a guy, another big game. Uh, maybe the run game, the run game not being as strong. Well, give him credit for at least picking off Pat Mahomes three times. And honestly, that defense, there's some weaknesses. I mean, some of these teams who face Kansas City, especially when it comes to the playoffs next month, they should study the games where they've been close to losing and see the flaws of Mahomes and the run game. The run game is just dreadful right now. Just really bad. But the thing is, they can beat you in many ways, bad running game or not. And Travis Kelsey having another big game. Tyreek Hill. I mean, these, these guys just keep finding ways to get in the end zone. Uh, that's a big thing. And obviously the run game, you know, you get these running backs to uh, be uh, passing, passing receivers. Right now, I think the Chiefs are the number one seed in the AFC. Tampa Bay beating on Minnesota in the case of the Yips for Dan Bailey. So, he missed, I think it was like three field goals and an extra point. Even when you add that all together, they still would have lost. Yeah, you have those moments. I mean, at one point, he was like one of the best kickers in the league. Hey, it happens. Some of these kickers, it's like... I want to say Mason Crosby is still with... uh, I want to say Mason Crosby is still with Green Bay. I'm going to look that up, actually. Because there was, like, one year where he... Yep, he's still playing for them. Like, there was, like, a year... I want to say it was, like, 2016. He had a really bad year. Like, it was, like... There was, like, a like two... Like, a two-week span. He was, like... He missed like six or seven kicks. That's how bad it was. I mean, I'm sure Bailey can shake it off, but man, rough time. And it's a shame because Dalvin Cook had another good game. Cousins didn't get picked off. And 
not 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 the greatest performance by Tom Brady either, but hey, a couple scores and one of the times where the run game actually worked. Ron, Ronald Jones, eighty yards and a score. I mean, I mean, they're still hanging in, and their chances of making the playoffs just got a little better. So last game, Titans, Jaguars. There's something about Derrick Henry. There must be something like when December hits, there's like something that clicks in his head and he just goes off. I mean, Ryan Tannehill had a good game, but Derrick Henry had more rushing yards than Tannehill did passing. 215 rushing for Henry. Tannehill at 212 passing. And both these guys had two scores. So, I mean, I mean, this, I mean, this guy is doing more stuff than Eddie George did at this point in his career. Now, the possibility of making 2,000 yards is there. I mean, Tennessee is going to run it with Derrick Henry. And obviously, but even though, yeah, they beat up on Jacksonville, Gardner Minshew came back. And he's going to be the starter for their next game. So, I mean, such a waste of talent, though. Good good player, Minshew. But, you know what? I don't see why New England... Make him the quarterback in New England. I'm sure he could handle a lot of things. And maybe get him some receivers. Get him some actual receivers. Like, compliment Gardner Minshew. So... I believe Tennessee is the fourth seed right now. So I'm going to try and figure this out. So I think Kansas City is one. Pittsburgh, two. uh, Buffalo, three. And Tennessee, fourth. Cleveland. I got to look at that because Cleveland and Indy are are 5th and 6th. I don't know who has the upper hand. Probably Cleveland? I'm not sure. I'm just going to say this. I'm not sure. And with that win for Baltimore, I don't know who who resides in the 7th uh, seed. That That's actually something I'm going to... That's something I'm actually very curious about. Very, very curious. So the playoff picture, I mean, I'm... It's gonna be... It's gonna be a tight spot. Um, Raiders need to win all out and need the teams to lose. Um, Same thing with New England. Honestly, I think New England doesn't even see the playoffs. Raiders might, but I'm gonna say more on the no on the no side. Um, NFC, I think, who is the number one? Because Green Bay and New Orleans have the same records. One of the others, one and two. Seahawks are number, not Seahawks, the Rams are number three, and Washington is four now. Probably the streak of consecutive division titles 
is going to keep going. Because I think it's 16 seasons now. It'll probably be 16 seasons come the end of the year. Because there's no way Philadelphia or Dallas even get a chance to try and win the division. There's no, I don't think Philadelphia has a chance. Uh, so is the so fifth seed Seahawks fifth seed Tampa is sixth and seventh now is Arizona. Minnesota has a chance. Chicago has a chance. Uh, as far as the, the NFC East goes, Giants still have a chance. It's just a matter of Washington losing out the rest of the year. But not a tough, but not an easy schedule for New York. I think they got they got Cleveland next week, uh, Baltimore and uh, Dallas to end the year. I think Washington has Baltimore at some point. I think. Nope, they got Seattle. I want to say that'll be a loss, but that's that's something I don't want to predict. Carolina and Philadelphia. Philadelphia will be interesting, I think. Uh, who does who does Baltimore have the rest of the year? Obviously, they have the giant game. But Jaguars, that should be that should be an instant win. A couple, there's probably like a few other games in particular. Bengals, that that I would think on paper that should be a, a win for Baltimore, but who knows? Who knows? There was some stuff like moving on, like with the NBA. Uh, there was like a lot of stuff regarding like the Houston Rockets with James Harden. I think with the trade that happened with uh, John Wall going to Houston now. Yeah, a little bit of animosity about whether or not Harden stays in Houston or not. I mean, there's got to be some good chemistry that has to happen. I mean, that's that's something that's like... I mean, yeah, you may not like the team you're on, but if you're going to stick with it, I mean, if you think you can get traded, try, if not... Play play for the year and maybe try and do trade talks at some point unless the Rockets are terrible. I think the regular season begins next week. Like starts early next week, and then you get the Christmas games. I mean, like I think I said this last week. You know, this is Adam Silver trying to get whatever he can to recoup any money that he lost from from the pandemic. Actually, I got. A story that. So, last week this was it's going back to to football, and this is this is the type of stuff that's like okay, you, you see maybe a fight occurring, and sure, you might see that in college football sometimes. I, I've seen some. There was that Miami and FIU game from 2006. That was that escalated really, really badly, and that was like. I think it was like a forty-five nothing Miami winning. I mean that was or I think it's thirty-five nothing. That was that was a really bad game altogether. One of the most embarrassing moments for uh, for sports. And in last week I talked about Edinburgh uh, High School in Texas where a where a where a player for Edinburgh 
tackled a referee after getting ejected. I believe he was uh, escorted off and probably whatever scholarships he had probably flushed down the toilet and one or two other things. But this thing, I mean, it's pretty disturbing as a whole. And this was a youth football game. Now, I understand the South football is basically a religion. And that's something I don't typically say. But yeah, it's 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 practically a religion. Especially with all them people that are obsessed with it. I mean, you see in some of the movies, TV shows, I mean, Friday Night Lights, for God's sake. The, mov- the movie is a big deal. The TV show is a big deal. The book turned 30 not too long ago. But this is pretty disturbing. And this was in Savannah, Georgia. And this this football coach, I think the name was Gerald Williams, G E R R E L Williams, and I'm just gonna put this out. This was a nine year old kid, and honestly, when it comes to youth sports, I mean, obviously, they're not gonna know everything, and they're not gonna be the best talent in the world. That should be a given. But if you work on these kids and they develop into quality players, that will bode well for the high school they go to and potentially have some real stuff that occurs like a state championship or like sectional titles. And this Williams guy, I mean, punched punched one of the kids a couple times. It just got really bad, and people recorded it, and obviously it it, it got viral, and it triggered one of the greatest uh, defensive guys ever, NFL legend, Buffalo Bill legend, defensive end uh, Bruce Smith, and he opened up, I think it was like the TMZ, which is interesting to think about, the TMZ would even get a scoop on what Smith said. Basically, Smith was abused by a coach. He got he, he in a situation similar to this back in like probably back in the seventies, and he he said that he would have whipped the like whipped the coach. He would have beaten up on the coach. I I I could I I could see why. I mean, it it triggers a bad memory. It's just you don't want to see that happen to a kid. But it's to me, some of this stuff is just talk. Because honestly, would you see any of these guys, even if they were big names, go after? I I could see someone chasing a referee or a coach, but I wouldn't see. I wouldn't expect someone to be expect a referee or or a coach to be attacked. I just wouldn't. But. It, I don't know. I, I feel like it would lead to lawsuits if people got involved. I feel like there would be a lawsuit or a legal battle that would occur, especially for anything involving like self-defense and trying to intervene, and it would just cause a cause an issue. And there's and there's two sides, and some people will favor one, some will favor the other. I th- there was like a policy in high school 
in my high school. Like, a, like teachers couldn't touch... Try and remember this. I don't know how true it was or not, but if they couldn't touch, they couldn't touch kids fighting unless so unless there was like three punches thrown. I'm not sure if they had to land or not. Probably in fear of retali- I don't know retaliation or something or lawsuits. I, I don't know, but just a really really bad situation. And honestly, uh, this guy he's gonna probably face jail for child abuse and assault. I don't know what the sentences are like in Georgia, but probably not that good. And probably the guy's gonna definitely gonna face some jail time. So I'm actually gonna look that up. Because that's just Georgia Georgia abuse Let's see, abuse sentence. Let's see. Whoo! There was some... There was a woman that just got... There was a a story a month ago. uh, A 41-year-old woman being sentenced 723 years for sexually abusing daughters. Jeez. I know there's people that get like 200 years for certain things, but... So this must have been like a really, really bad, really bad crime. Let's see, there's domestic violence laws, but that doesn't really. It's got to be at least a couple years, I would, I would guess. But yeah, I mean, especially if it, with stuff involving children and all that. I mean, I mean, this is one of those times. Also, it's like people. There's, a, there's like a selfishness, I think, at times when people would rather record the stuff on their phones rather than intervene. And this is one of those times I think it... I don't know. Part of me wishes I could destroy cell phones. Part of me wishes I could just break the phones that and tell people, get your ass out there and intervene if you think this is important. But at the same time... You get the proof of it, and people notice it. Okay, this guy is a piece of garbage, and yeah, not much else really with with other sports. I mean, it's just a matter of whether or not baseball have designated hitters in the National League. Honestly, I think they need to at this point because the pitchers suck at hitting. They are just terrible. Maybe if it was like 50 years ago or something like that, sure. I don't think people would be offended if pitchers still hit. But with how bad they've gotten and the issues of pitchers being on base, thank you, Chen Ming Wong or A.J. Burnett. It probably has to do with probably has to do with freaking money. And there's going to be a lot of things for all the sports. Lower salary caps. Yeah, and maybe some of these guys can afford to take a pay cut. Maybe maybe show some uh, maybe show some heart and and not have the forty million dollar paychecks or thirty five million, thirty million, whatever. Show a little. Show a little respect. 
and maybe maybe help out some of these uh, people, help out your league, everything. Actually, they just had the for baseball the nomination, the people that are eligible to get into the Hall of Fame. Some are on their ninth years, and it's just a matter of who they think is good. Be curious about what kind of ceremony will be done uh, come this summer. So, last thing, since I'm nearing almost an hour 20, talk about, talk a little uh, gaming to end the uh, episode. So, I'm going to talk about a game that turned 30 just now, December 14th, 1990. And it's not, it's important, but when you look at it, it may not feel that way, but Commander Keen. This was a game that was made by id Software, and this was one of their very first games from John Carmack, John Romero, and Tom Hall. And it was a platformer, and it was for computers. Now, when you look at computers, computers back then, they they did not have the kind of power for, for games that could be done on... That, that, that were done on the NES or the Sega Master System. You know, you weren't getting your Mario-type games on computers. And this is where the genius of Carmack comes into play, because this guy... This guy's got to be one of the great geniuses when it comes to game engines. And they were... He and Hall reading... And this is from excerpts from, like... Uh, a Masters of Doom book and several stories online about developing, like recreating, like the first world of Super Mario Brothers three, which at the time was like the biggest name for games at the time, and they were able to get the scrolling to work, and they actually showed Nintendo this. They Nintendo actually liked what they were doing, but did not want to see their game on PC. That's got to be one of the biggest mistakes they've ever done. Because in came this company called Apogee. And they published the game on computers. And it was a big hit. Because no one saw anything like this on computers. Nobody. Your biggest games were point and click games. Where you move from one screen to the other. And cue the next screen. Go to a certain spot. Next screen yada 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 and it it was one of the big games that emphasized on shareware now for those wondering what shareware is it was a way to where you you could get the first episode of a game for free and if you were impressed with that episode you could buy the game and pay for the game to get the other episodes and it was a model that worked for it for like three four years and other companies followed suit including Apogee and that includes some of their games like Duke Nukem for example once CDs became the norm for uh, for gaming did that model die off but it, it was like big for about about like five six years and it it paved the way for what PC would be, and 
it would do many things and craft their work into utilizing PC technology. And they did like a like a trilogy of episodes with with their debut game, and they did another set, and it was it was more advanced. And they just they the their game engines became legendary. And there were actually plans to make like a third set of Commander Keen games, but the success of Wolfenstein 3D prompted them to stop with that series and go into the realm of the then first person, new first person shooter genre. Especially when uh, Doom came out, like that, there was no turning back. And I don't have a lot of memories of uh, Commander Keen. I mean, I remember one of my brother or sisters playing it when we had Windows 95 back around 96, 97. I remember one of them playing a level, and they were doing okay, and they think they had a game over, like, a few minutes later. Uh, Just a lot of stuff that I've done is playing through Abandonware. And, you know, I played played them um, first trilogy, first episode good, second one, second episode pretty good, third one eh, mediocre the second set of episodes, second trilogy of episodes were really good um, the spin-off game King Dreams, uh, I thought it was okay, uh, nothing too special, but definitely looked a lot better actually, King Dreams made its way to the Nintendo Switch that surprised me <laughs> I looked that up like yesterday and that surprised me deeply. Yeah, Commander Keen, 30 years. Paved the way for what PCs would become. And there's a game that just came out, and this was something that has got, it's gotten a, gotten a lot of criticism, and whether or not it could have been done on uh, PS4 and Xbox One, and that's Cyberpunk. The game is the game was delayed several times. It just came out, I think, this past weekend, and it's getting to the point where the developer of the game issued refunds. So that's not a good situation, and it just seems like from some of the major websites, it was not optimized well. I mean, I mean, there is such thing as pushing the capabilities, but man, you don't want to gimp a game and try to make the because it's on Xbox Series S and X and PS5 so I don't uh, I'd have to look into it but that's just that's unfortunate very very unfortunate I mean I know there's points where it's like companies try to make the best of the hardware I mean I, I can't think of like a like PS3 or PS4 like PS3 game that felt gimped or a 360 game that felt gimped compared to what was on the PS4 and uh, Xbox One. Can't really think of any. Gotta be some gimps on some of the games that made it onto Nintendo Switch, but guess it's as good as mine on it. There was like an announce. There was like announcements made for like a number of games. There was this um, game called Perfect Dark. That that's like that was an N sixty four exclusive that a lot of people liked. It was kind of like it was like GoldenEye, and there was the uh, Perfect Dark Zero game that uh, 
that did okay, but wasn't really a huge. That wasn't a huge hit. So I think. Uh, so I think perfect. Yeah, I think it's coming. Out, I think there might be a new game that's coming out for Xbox. It's just a matter of uh, whether or not people will buy into it or not. I mean, it's Rare has tried at times with some of their franchises like Banjo-Kazooie, Killer Instinct. Killer Instinct, I think, still gets a bit of love. A lot of people swear by uh, Perfect Dark on the N64. I mean, I've heard some good things, but... There was some other stuff, too, I think. There was, like, a Ghouls and Ghosts game that was announced for the Switch. That's actually a series I wouldn't mind trying more of. I've heard good things about Ghouls and Ghosts on the uh, Sega Genesis. Uh, Ghosts and Goblins, I think I've tried the arcade version. Not a good game. A lot of the, a lot of the Capcom games, I, I think a lot of their games, early games before, like, 88 or something terrible and I think once they got past like their arcade routes a little bit they got better especially with their NES games like uh, Bionic Commando for example a number of the Disney games they made like they're like you get to that comfort zone and you finally understand how to make games good and not make it feel like they're broken or anything just some really good stuff out of Capcom, especially when they started getting better. Ghouls and Ghosts and uh, like Final Fight and a couple of their franchises at that point. Mega Man. <laughs> so yeah. Not much else really I could think of. So I'll end it here. So episode 54, I believe, of Geeks and Jack, of Geeks and Jacks. My apologies. Uh, as before, uh, this podcast can be found on Anchor.fm. Can also be found on Spotify, Radio Public, Breaker, and Google Podcasts. Um, try to see if I'll do an episode next week or not. Next week is when Christmas will be on that Friday. Uh, well, maybe. Maybe get squeeze in one more episode next week, and maybe take take the week before New Year's off, and do do something the first Tuesday or second Tuesday of the uh, of the New Year. Don't know what my full plans are, but you know what? We'll see what happens. So with that geeks and jacks. Hope to hear your listeners on the next podcast. Stay healthy, stay protected, take care, everyone.